Welcome back, friends. Bill Creasy here with Scripture Uncovered. We have spent the last 24 podcasts exploring Jesus, from his birth in Bethlehem, to his public ministry in Galilee, to his death, burial, and resurrection in Jerusalem. And we witnessed his ascension into heaven and the coming of the Holy Spirit on the Jewish Feast of Pentecost, A.D. 32, an event that marked the birth of the church. Now, I'd like to continue on and explore the early church. What was it like in those days? What would it have been like had we been in Jerusalem and witnessed the coming of the Holy Spirit and heard Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost? The very first, we left off reading with many other words. He, Peter, warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Now, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. The church begins to grow. And I've always thought, wouldn't it have been something to be there on that day and to witness all these events. The people who witnessed the events were from all over the Roman Empire, Jews who had come for Pentecost, the pilgrimage festival, and they witnessed this extraordinary event. Now, if we were there, would we want to go back home? Or if we were among the 3,000 people who were saved on that very first day, plank owners in the church, if you will, Wouldn't we want to stay and see what happened? I think we would. And I'd like to follow the early church for a little while here in the book of Acts and just see how things develop. So we go in at Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 42. They, that is, the apostles and the new believers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Four things. The teaching of the apostles, that is, Scripture, the Word of God. The fellowship of believers. The community of believers. You know, I've mentioned previously, all the great prayers in the Bible, every one of them, have plural pronouns. Jesus said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Our Father, not my Father, our Father. We live life in Christ as a community, not as individual monads adrift on the sea. They, the early church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, the early community, to the breaking of bread, that is, to the Eucharist, and to prayer. Four things. And I would venture to say that any church today that devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the community, the fellowship of believers, the breaking of bread, the Eucharist, and prayer, that that church today would flourish just like the early church here in Acts. Indeed, Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together, 
and they had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now we need to pause here for a moment. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Now remember, the vast majority of these people were visitors to Jerusalem, and they had planned a vacation, if you will, a pilgrimage. We learned that Simon of Cyrene, traveling Cyrene and Libya of today, it would take about two weeks by sea, the coastal route, and then the route from Caesarea Maritima all the way up to Jerusalem, it would take about two weeks. And again, two weeks going back. So he and his family had, what, four to six weeks? They were together. They had saved up for that. They had planned for that. And I'll bet for most people, it was a once-in-a-lifetime journey. And all these people were there planning to go back home after Pentecost. But with the events of the birth of the church, with 3,000 being saved, more added to their numbers every day. Well, I don't know about you, but if I were within that group, I don't think I'd want to go back home. But eventually, we'd run out of money. We had saved up for the trip, maxed out our credit cards, and now what? So they were all together and had everything in common. They passed the hat. One person had more resources, he shared them with others. Another person was in great need, but people stepped up to the plate. This is not an economic model for living in a society. This is an extraordinary event. And we see people helping each other, struggling with what they had to deal with economically there in Jerusalem. How can we stay? Well, they put everything together, passed the hat, and every day they continued meeting, and they broke bread in their homes, they ate together, and they praised God the whole time. And indeed, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So put ourselves on the southern steps of the temple, listening to Peter or Andrew or James or John teaching glancing over to our left, to the Mount of Olives, remembering Jesus ascending from the very top of the Mount of Olives. Now one day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, about three in the afternoon, and a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. Well, that's a good place to beg. How many of you at your own church, your own parish, have seen panhandlers standing by the door when you're coming out of services or out of mass? Pretty common sight, at least around here in San Diego. This man was put there to beg. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, 
he asked for money. He rattled his little cup. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, Look at us, because the man was looking down toward the ground, rattling his cup. Look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. And then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the very same man who was at the temple gate begging every day. They were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. Peter performed a miracle. Well, no, I need to rephrase that. No person can perform a miracle. Only God can perform a miracle. And if God chooses to perform a miracle through you, it suggests that you have a very intimate relationship with God. And the greater the miracle, the more more implied intimacy. But notice what Peter said. Silver or gold I do not have. They've been in Jerusalem for a while. The whole little community of believers are pulling their resources and and just scraping by. Silver or gold, I do not have. But what I have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. I remember hearing a story about St. Thomas Aquinas, who went into a meeting with the Pope in his day. The church was at its very peak of power during that time. And the Pope was counting the money. And when Thomas walked in, the Pope looked up at him and said, no longer can we say silver or gold we do not have. To which St. Thomas Aquinas replied, nor can we say stand up and walk. That's a great story. I don't know if it's apocryphal or not, but I like the story. Anyhow, so the people saw him walking and they were all amazed at what had happened. Now, while the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. And when Peter saw this, he said to them, Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk. No person can perform a miracle. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disown the Holy and Righteous One and ask that a murderer, Barabbas, be released to you. You killed the author of life. Did you get that? In the Gospel according to John, we read in the prologue, 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and lived among us. In the person of Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, God Almighty, creator of the universe, took on human flesh and stepped into our world. When you looked into the eyes of Jesus, you were looking into the very eyes of God. God came into our world as one of us. And we killed him. <laughs> you disown the holy and righteous one and ask that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead. And we are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given him this complete healing, as you can all clearly see. So now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had said beforehand through all the prophets, saying that his Christ, his Messiah, would suffer. So repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshment may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Christ, who has been appointed for you, yes, even Jesus. He must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. That was in Deuteronomy verse chapter 18, verse 15. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from among his people. And indeed, all the prophets from Samuel on, as many as have spoken, have foretold these things. And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all people on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. Now, listen to Peter. We saw Peter on the day of Pentecost stand up before the crowds and preach his very first sermon. And oh, it was no gentle homily, that's for sure. He stood up and said, you killed him. And now he says it again. You killed him. This is Peter, who denied the Lord three times in the courtyard of the high priest because he was afraid. Well, Peter has certainly gotten some courage here and that will continue as we move along. Now, all this did not go unnoticed. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. And they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. So they seized Peter 
and John, and because it was evening, they threw him in jail till the next day. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. So the more the church is suppressed, the more it grows. You know, we look at the history of the church, and there have been, I, I have to say, honestly, some shameful times in the history of the church. There have been times when it was flat. It was status quo. But there were other times, other times of persecution. And the church burned with a hard gem-like flame. The church is never greater than when it's facing persecution. The church is never worse when it's fat, dumb, and happy. That's not the place we want to be. Oh, I would love to have been in these early days of the church. Can you imagine? Well, the next day, the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Now, Annas, the high priest, was there, as was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and other men of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. Much as they did with Jesus. Who gave you the authority to do this? Who do you think you are? By what power or what name did you do this? And then Peter. No shrinking violet filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, by whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands here before you. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Not only that, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we may, must be saved. There's Peter on a roll again the third time. Well, when these religious leaders saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were not people in the religious hierarchy of Jerusalem. They were not people who studied under the great rabbis. Peter and John, they were commercial fishermen from Galilee. Ordinary men. Well, these religious leaders were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. And what a compliment that would be. Imagine people looking to you and taking note, aha, uh -huh, by the way he or she is behaving, they've been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say because they all knew this beggar who sat by the gate and here he was, whole and leaping and jumping. So they ordered Peter and John to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and they conferred. What are we going to do with these guys? 
Everybody living in Jerusalem knows they've done an outstanding miracle. We can't deny it. And no person can perform a miracle. Only God can, and God chose to do it through them. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in this name. They will be silenced. Zip it up. Not another word. Go back to Galilee where you came from. So then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Well, after further threats, they let them go. They, they couldn't decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. The man had been sitting there at the gate begging for 20 or 30 years. Everyone knew it. There was no denying it. Well, after being released, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all the chief priests and elders had said to them. They were high-fiving each other, laughing. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? This is Psalm 2. The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, an earthquake, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Do you remember the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, A.D. 32, when the apostles were all gathered together and suddenly there was a sound like a roaring freight train and the earth shook and the building shook and the Holy Spirit descended upon them? Well, now we have it again, framing this story, framing the birth of the church. Oh, this is just terrific. Think of it. If our church today were like this early church, can you imagine what could be done? Can you imagine if we were to unleash the power of the Holy Spirit, let it indwell us, let it speak through us? Every pastor, every believer in every church, it would transform our world within days. This is great stuff. 
and we'll continue on Wednesday and see where it will lead. So thank you for being with me. Always good to be here. And now we're moving through the second week of Lent, looking forward to Holy Week and the events leading up to Easter. So stay with me, and I'll be back with you on Wednesday. Bye-bye now. <music>